Hello and welcome to the MadeCast, the official podcast of the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment, a series of lectures on video game history as part of the Maid's ongoing effort to preserve history through teaching and displaying of playable exhibits of rare games and consoles. While life in the time of COVID has forced us to close our doors, the support of people like you has allowed us to continue to bring history to you through lectures like the one you hear in a few minutes. I'm Chen. I'm Anthony. I'm Red. And I'm Miles. This week we we continue with Made in Progress as Leland sits down with Daniel Poole, librarian by day, writer, game designer, and podcaster by night. They talk first games, making games, game jams, and lessons learned from them. But first, let's get into some news. So, newsfront. Sony still not doing too hot with developers at the moment. They keep making headlines every week. And not for the reasons that are uh, generally known as positive. Uh, More developers just keep uh, hammering on them about their immediately uh, their immediate pullout of the store and just their lack of communication, which has been an issue with Sony in the past between developers. Um, they made a big deal about trying to be more like indie developer friendly with the PS4. So it's kind of interesting seeing that, seeing that little hiccups in that type of relationship that they championed so hard for right now. But we will keep you updated with more Sony news as it develops. Uh, Anthony, there was also, you said there was an, uh, some news with the PS4 internal clock battery. Yes, so uh, people are going bonkers over this right now. Um, inside the PS4, there's uh, what's called a uh, battery clock. Okay. And uh, basically, its role is to verify the time and date that the trophies you unlock are okay. correct in order to prevent cheating, um, trophy cheating for whoever does that. <laughs> hmm. But uh, one major design flaw found out by um, someone is that uh, it's eventually going to die, unfortunately. And when it does, uh, that'll render all of your games unplayable as well as your physical uh, copies of those games. It seems like a pretty big oversight. So Yeah, so like it, are, it, the internal clock once, the internal clock battery, once it dies, it just bricks your system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, since we're seeing... Uh, PlayStation servers being shut down for PS3, PS Vita, PSP. Um, mm. People are sort of worried, like, okay, well, if my battery dies in the near future, you know, 10, 15 years, and Sony shuts off the servers for PS4, then all of my you know, treasured games will vanish. And, mm. uh, and yeah, apparently this is a huge issue for uh, game preservation. And yeah, as I said, the people are going bonkers over this. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not good. That's not good. I I think we will be able to think of some good ways or some special ways in order to help out with the maid uh, doing that. It's like you just have to plug them in every now and then. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. They really we want people see. to move on to the next generation. It seems like. Yeah, they really want people to go to. They're they're shutting down PS3. They really want people to go to PS4 now, mm-hmm. right when the ba- battery clocks are dying. So, uh, clock battery. <laughs> well, with that, bring it over to a little brighter side. We're gonna take it over to Leland and Daniel with their fabulous talk. Yeah, like like we said earlier, he's a writer, librarian, and a podcast host by night. I don't think he sleeps very much. Um, but anyway, uh, here they are, Leland and Daniel. 
Hello and welcome to Made in Progress, which is a show produced by The Maidcast, which is in turn produced by the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment, where I, Leland, am talking to the next generation of game developers about the games that made them. So on today's episode, uh, our guest is Daniel J. Poole. They are a writer and librarian from the Southern Great Plains, and they also produce a podcast called Double Issue alongside making games welcome to the podcast thanks for having me of course so uh why don't to start off you just say a little more about yourself and about um just a brief overview of what you do yeah uh so i work at a university library i work at the university of science and arts of oklahoma it's kind of cool it's one of the only liberal arts public universities in the area wow um but it's really it's a really teeny school but i work at the makerspace there so i get to play with 3d printers and laser cutters and all that kind of fun stuff and very fun yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then i work on double issue which is a podcast where we've been taking a little hiatus but we write and tell stories me and my writing partner um and just share them back and forth and then I've been making some games on the side. Um, and I'm hoping to have my first kind of big for money game coming out, if not late this year, the beginning of next year. Ooh, very exciting. Yeah. I'm sure we'll get into what that game is about later. But the first thing I want to do is uh, kind of jump back in time to when you were a little... <laughs> When you were like a little kid, what sort of video games did you play? Like, do you have any super early uh, memories of video games that you'd like to share? I do. Uh, the first. So I'm pretty sure how it worked was my dad brought a big box of Atari stuff out of the closet one day and set it all up. And we played, um, I think it's called Crusade, but you had the little Pong paddle and there were four of you mm -hmm. playing Pong, basically. And we yeah. for like a full week my brothers and i were just like oh this is the greatest this is so wonderful <laughs> and my dad was like oh if you like that you're gonna love nintendo Ooh, that was that state of the very art quick evolution <laughs> yeah and i remember playing super mario brothers 3 for the first time just being this is what games could be this is the best and little did i know that i think the super nintendo was you know getting ready to sunset <laughs> already at that point <laughs> But that was kind of my first big introduction. And then um, I was trying to remember. I had a lot of... Uh, so I'm dyslexic severely, so I couldn't read forever. And one of the games that I actually learned to read on was XCOM, which wow. is an old DOS <laughs> game. Yes. <laughs> and it was just kind of funny because my parents were struggling to get me to read. And I forget what the word was, but it was something like cephalopod or something like that. And I just rattled mm -hmm. it off. And they're like, how do you know that? <laughs> it's like, oh, priorities. Well, <laughs> yeah, I had to know that word for the mission. That's great. So uh, what what appealed to you about XCOM? Oh, what was it? I think the big part of it was that my brothers were into it. Anything mm -hmm. that they thought was cool, I automatically decided it was super cool. Um, and I really liked how much you could customize how you approach the game and mm -hmm. what i like the most in most games is exploration 
So there was a lot to explore in how you approach missions and how you set up your bases. And so I wasn't really into the fighting itself that much, but it was really into the like, oh, let's make the system work really well. Let's go explore what this does when we try this. Uh, so they were all like, they were both finishing the game and winning. And meanwhile, I was trying to see how long an alien in a smoked out shed could stand up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, slightly different priorities. Yeah, no, I'm the person that'll spend three hours trying to get on the little piece of geometry in a game for no reason, just because it seemed like something to do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is that is a reason itself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So as you as you kind of grew up, um, and as time went on, uh, what sort of games did you find yourself being into? So for the longest time, uh, I played a lot of JRPGs and kind of long form narrative games. Um, and there for a while, I kind of got into just like the halos and sort of the popular shooters. But I think it was when I got into college, I just stopped being as interested in mm-hmm. just a straight violence game. And yeah, there, there's a time and a place uh, yeah. for that. That is, I think, for a lot of people restricted to being a teenager. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's interesting that you mention um, JRPGs and other sort of narrative games, because those are very reading heavy games. Yeah. Uh, they tend to be extremely reading based. Um, what was what was that experience like for you? That was interesting. Uh, so I think it was fifth grade when I was finally able to start reading and so I went from basically a second or third grade reading level in fifth grade to like a fifth or sixth by sixth grade and then I think when I hit seventh grade I started reading like high school early college so Mm -hmm. it was just really quick once I figured it out yeah Um, so I feel like I was making up for lost time so I was running through like (laughs) Final Fantasy and um, Parasite Eve and all those kind of games just really quick back to back and uh, I don't know it was like a whole new world did kind of opened up that I w- hadn't been able to process and get into before then yeah absolutely that's really cool um, so then how how long have you been making games I so let's see since I was a little kid I tried to make board games uh, to differing amounts of results. But uh, when I was in college, I had a buddy who wanted to use Game Maker and make just a real simple, I think, like a character platformer. And he needed mm-hmm. someone to do art. And I was like, oh, that's something people can do. Oh, I didn't. Yeah. I never put <laughs> that together. <laughs> yeah, so, people make games. <laughs> that's, that's lame. That doesn't happen. That's not real. <laughs> so... I think it was probably like I must have been sophomore year of college that I started messing around with Game Maker. Um, but we both kept getting busy. But so right after college, uh, he contacted me again and said, hey, we were hold for cat sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right after college, he got a buddy and me together and said, we we've got two programmers and an art person here. Let's make a game. And so that's when I first got into more of a wouldn't say professional, but moved up to an actual hobbyist game maker. And our first attempt was to make a twin stick shooter. And we're just going to make it real simple. 
just have really easy layouts. And it was really funny to me is our first meeting, we said, okay, this is going to be 2D. It's going to be real simple, laid out. And the second meeting, one of the programmers who's kind of our lead said, okay, so it's going to be in 3D, right? And everyone just, (laughs) is it? (laughs) Uh, So that was kind of my first experience with game development was watching feature creep just happen in real time. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, after that, the project kind of stuttered out and we all kind of had different things going on in our lives. I was like, well, I can keep doing this in my own time. And so that's when I started getting back into Game Maker and Unity and uh, started putting stuff up on Itch.io. And that's been really rewarding to actually get something, get a product from start to finish and out that isn't just on fire. (laughs) Yeah, you have a lot of really fun, very different projects um, on your Itch.io. Can you tell me a little bit about what that's been like, like what it's been maybe what you've learned throughout this process of developing all these different types of games. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of the things on my itch.io right now are tutorial projects where I'd followed along or put a couple of different tutorials together. And so far it's been just to kind of explore what the engines can do and to try to put my own little spin on each one. But what's been, what's been interesting is taking these kind of very um oh taking different ideas that necessarily stick together and trying to figure out where the connective tissue is between them um i was trying to think of one um oh i did one called sketch jumper and um the idea was just to make all the art look like it was drawn on a legal pad and Mm -hmm. Uh, the game itself is terrible. It's not a lot there. <laughs> but the it's kind of like, um, I don't know, like playing jazz or just painting without really sketching it out first. Is As I went through the project, I learned like, oh, I can do this here with this code. And it's just really interesting to see what comes up kind of, um, oh, What's it called whenever you start writing a journal and you don't pick a destination? Um, oh, free writing. Free writing, yeah. It kind of feels like free writing in that sense. Uh, as I've developed and done this a few times now, I'm like, okay, I need to have a beginning, a middle, an end, some objectives in there. But it's been really interesting just kind of jumping in and saying, well, what happens if I do this? <laughs> Yeah, that's, I mean, that's such a fun way to uh, approach game design of being this kind of like sketchy improv thing that that very much exists for like other forms of of media and creative outlets that people do. It's like, okay, let's play around with this. And I, I think there isn't usually that attitude with games. I think a lot of times people feel like, oh, if I want to make a game, I need to know everything about what I'm doing before I even start, especially if I'm doing this on my own. And I, I that's really refreshing for me to hear that, you know, you kind of have an embracing of the the process being messy and, and being for the sake of learning and kind of doing something different. I really like that. Yeah. And that's how I finally actually did force myself to finish a project and put it out was through a game jam on itch.io. Mm-hmm. I signed up and I was like, okay, whatever I have, 
at the end of this weekend, that's what I'm going to have. And that really motivated me to, sorry, get the cat out here. That really motivated me to actually force myself to learn and sit down and do a, uh, a quality of work that I wasn't used to doing when I was just, oh, I'll get to it next week. Right. Yeah. So there, there's there's benefits to having a kind of free form uh, style, but there's also drawbacks yeah. of, of not totally finishing games. <laughs> I finally you... was just I need to empty out my dead projects folder. Like, <laughs> they're just staring at me where they're not going to get done. <laughs> uh, can you tell me a little bit about some of the influences for the games that you've made in the past? Uh, what sort of games tend to inspire you? Yeah, uh, I've been really inspired by a lot of the indie games that have been coming out in kind of the recent renaissance in the last 10, 20 years. Um, so let me just try to think. Um, one of my favorite games was games like uh, Delver. It's a mm-hmm. procedural generated dungeon crawler. But the way the art and the design work together just make me just kind of get my wheels spinning on thinking. Um, I love games like, um, oh, Morrowind from a long time back mm-hmm. because yeah, back. E- even though the systems are buggy and things don't work right <laughs> gosh girl <laughs> this is my cat Mikey and she's really clingy for some Hi. reason oh I love that I love cats <laughs> she usually is just very chill when I'm on the computer and for whatever reason <laughs> today is hugs time She's dug in. Yeah, the the only reason that the cats who live with me aren't in here is because I have closed the door and I have not let them come bother me because they they would be all all up in here. Yeah, my house is a remodel, and so my mm-hmm. desk is currently out in the hallway. Oh, fun! <laughs> yeah, so I can't close it. Okay. Anyways, back yeah, to video games. Anyway, back to um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, one thing that really opened my head about what games could be was playing through Morrowind because despite its terrible bugs <laughs> and choppy graphics and art, the the just the way the story just really embraced being weird and trying things even when they didn't quite work out really made me want to make games that weren't just another Mario or... Right, because there's plenty of games out there that um, are... I guess just another blank. You could say that about about any popular game that it's. Uh, I think with games, especially like there, there is an impulse to be like, oh, I could make X, but different. Or with with any game that you could name, I could make the Dark Souls of Inner, yeah, the Dark Souls of Animal Crossing, or <laughs> or uh, uh, yeah, like like Harvest Moon, but not uh, yeah. You hear that a lot, and there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we have like games like Stardew Valley, which are uh, like Harvest Moon, but not, yeah. and that are insanely popular. And and of course, I mean, that's the whole point of the show is that the video games we play do influence us. But um, you know, it's good. It's good for people to to push boundaries as well. As well. Um, although, so at 
one of the things the maid does is uh, teach kids how to make video games. And they come in and they're like, I want to make Mario, but it's also Fortnite, but it's also they're playing basketball and I want it to be the best game ever. <laughs> and we're like, OK, cool. Like that's a that's a starting point like that. That's something is you you have that spark of inspiration. I guess it doesn't matter where it comes from. Right. Well, that was uh, that was one of my cautionary tales as I was on a second game development team and the the ad on facebook was looking for a game writer it's like okay i've done a lot of writing and i understand the games writing process it's like oh that, that'll be perfect and so i get to the first meeting and i've kind of sketched out the story that i was gonna pitch and the lead developer said okay so tell me about the mechanics it's like oh, i thought you were gonna tell me the mechanics what? okay so second meeting, okay, here are the mechanics I've thought about. And he's like, well, it's supposed to be Halo plus Dark Souls plus Civilization. Oh, plus. Oh. I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> we need to Yikes. think about what our, what, what, what our actual core product is here. <laughs> well, since you have worked as part of game development teams uh, and also on your own, do you have a preference between working with others or on your own on games? Uh, I think for bigger projects, I really do like working on a team. Uh, because my skill set only goes so far, it is really nice to have someone else who can go, oh, well, you can do this part this way and kind of save me for myself. <laughs> because <laughs> otherwise, I'll spend weeks just trying to learn a new programming language or a new thing just to do one little piece. Um, but for like a game jam game, it is really rewarding to just jump in and try doing something yourself. Um, right. I made a game called Zug, which is a little Game Boy maker game. And just learning the the minimum requirements that a Game Boy will allow in the cartridge space and learning how to do the music and all those things was really rewarding as just a mm -hmm. weekend project. Yeah, and you end up getting like a lot of different skill sets and experiences out of doing something on your own by nature of, of having to do the music and the art and everything else. Yeah. I also uh, wanted to ask about, um, so I know that through uh, what you do for the university you work at in the makerspace, um, that with COVID and being online, that you guys have pivoted to teaching some more game development, that sort of stuff. Uh, what has that been like? So we're still getting into it. Uh, our university was not prepared for an online setting completely by the time COVID hit. Luckily, just super luckily, we had just gotten a new system in place just before it happened. Mm -hmm. And so we were able to go to online, but we, we, it's been a learning curve just to get people used to the new way of doing things. Um, right. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and our school isn't, um, we don't really have a technical or engineering field or computer science. So a lot of the people we have are either like life sciences, biologies, or arts and humanities. So a lot of what I've been trying to do is use things like uh, Construct3, which has a little more drag and drop coding to try to just mm -hmm. introduce the ideas of the logic coding, but to not get them hung up at that point. Uh, right. So it's been interesting because trying to present I mean, game development's kind of complicated, but trying to present it in a don't be yeah. scared. 
that's been my main goal. <laughs> that's good. Um, and I also want to know about what kind of your end goal is, if you have one, uh, with making games. Like, would you like to be doing that, you know, full time as your job someday? Do you envision it always keeping just as a hobby? I would love to go full time at some point. Uh, my kind of just daydream is to open like a small main street, you know, physical address and hire a couple, a handful of friends and just kind of do that all day. Mm-hmm. I was really inspired by, oh, I'm going blank on their name. Um, it's a office co-op in California. I'll have to look them up here in a sec. But they just have an office that they rent out spaces to people. And it's like three or four different indie studios are ran out of this one little spot. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's the dream. <laughs> yeah, that, that's got to be such a crazy and inspiring environment to be in. Absolutely. So I want to also now talk about uh, the game that you mentioned that you kind of teased in your yeah. intro about yourself. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what that game is? Sure. So it's currently it's very pre-production. Uh, um but it's, it's going to be an RPG maker game. Uh, that was actually the first program I learned how to do anything in was RPG maker, like 95 or whatever it was. Wow. I had no idea <laughs> RPG maker has been around for that long. Oh, it's ancient. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. That, don't I learned something. <laughs> tell the company, but my brothers and I stole it from the internet in the 90s. <laughs> The internet police are going to come for They're you. Coming. I paid for a legitimate You wouldn't download copy. a car. <laughs> I totally would download a car and I would 3D print we it. We all would download a car. Yeah. 3D printers exist. All of us would download a car. Uh, you probably can download a car. Anyways, <laughs> RPG Maker. Yeah. So um, I've wanted to work with RPG Maker for a while. And so I thought this would be a great opportunity to kind of play with it. And then I was really inspired by the game Lisa because apparently it was made in RPG Maker along with a couple oh, other um what was the other one Yumi Nikki and a few others like that I was like oh I didn't even know I could anyone could do this much with RPG Maker so I'd gone looking back at it just to make like a silly game and once I'd looked at it for a while I was like oh I could do like the three games I've wanted to do for a minute that I've been hitting my head against a wall on Unity with so it's been really nice getting back into it and the concept will be a horror RPG maker game to play homage to some of the other ones that have inspired me. And the the twist for me is I'm trying to just come through a story where it's not about, you know, a character's guilt, like in PT and a lot of other right. recent horror games. Um, with some of the recent uh, political news in America, I was like, huh, it's real weird that like, your neighbors could just want to harm you at any moment. Yeah, that's weird. What right? a concept! Ooh. So the game is a microcosm of that. So um, right now I'm doing a HD remake of the game Nevat, which is my very first mm-hmm. or second RP, second game I put on my itch.io, which is just a little goblin going through a maze, getting chased by ogres, and. So that'll be the where I learn <laughs> everything, get it released. <laughs> but then what I'm calling Grey Lodge is going to be uh, a full art and music 
remade project. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. And hopefully so, I'm getting a couple of people to team up with me. We'll see. <laughs> oh, exciting. Yeah. So that'll, that'll be a, on the more collaborative side of things versus just you on your own. Yeah. Which means the music won't be just off. <laughs> <laughs> I forget which. I think it's Sketch Jumper. You really have to turn the music or the volume down because it'll blast you out. <laughs> I think that's a warning for anybody who's going to go check out Daniel's games. That uh, that one, please turn the volume down before you play. <laughs> Good to get that disclaimer out. I got to watch a streamer play it live. And it was a recording. He just tweeted me later. And mm-hmm. I realized in horror as he was clicking on, I was like, oh, no, I need to have a giant warning on there. <laughs> well, can you tell me more about what that was like to watch somebody on stream play your game? Oh, that was weird. It was more yeah. like watching mm-hmm. someone else. Like, I felt like I was watching myself watch someone else watch my play my game. It was mm-hmm. so surreal. Because um, I've, I've heard other people read my writing and I've kind of gotten used to that idea and I've gotten used Mm -hmm. to seeing myself like in film but seeing someone play a game that I made the whole time I was like oh I made that oh that's weird yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah that must have been super surreal like I'm I'm still getting used to hearing my own voice on this podcast (laughs) uh I can't imagine like seeing someone else without me you know directly showing it to them experience my, like something I made that's what I think would be super insane well that's when, but you weren't there yeah <laughs> my my game development experience where I kind of cut my teeth is through role-playing games on tabletop mm-hmm. and in those cases you're always right there to tell people okay here's what I I need and here's what you're thinking you're doing kind of like lay it out right. the idea and so having handing off my program baby to someone else <laughs> and watching them play like oh no they don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you think that um, there's some overlap in uh, your interest or like the things that you learn from tabletop games versus video games? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, in my opinion, every design element that you learn for tabletop game design feeds directly into video game design. Uh, it's just a it's so close. Um Right. So, for example, laying out the levels right now for the project game, um, it's been really nice having my tabletop background. So, like, in this next room, we need to make sure there's, like, some breathing room. And the player needs some time mm, yeah. to explore <laughs> and think. And then we can put them back in a stressful situation. We can't just do that back to back. And that's just really nice to fall back onto from my time when I would write, like, D&D modules and things like that. Yeah, there's, um, I think, a, a lot of overlap in uh, being a DM and, and being a game designer that so so many things you're, you're doing very similarly and so many of your goals are the same. I mean, you want somebody to be engaged and have fun and maybe be scared and <laughs> feel strong emotions and want to come back. Uh, and I mean, that's everything that you're doing for a game as well. Yeah, exactly. So... This this question is the most serious and hardest of all. <laughs> what games have you been playing lately? Oh man. Um so my because my schedule is a school schedule, I kind of have a yearly game playing bonanza right at Christmas. <laughs> so Love that. Just 
into your calendar. Just this yeah. is the game time. This is the games month. <laughs> <laughs> games month. Uh, so this last Christmas, I put in way too many hours on Cyberpunk 2077. Having Ooh, just yes. said I've gotten away from shooting games, I, I jumped yeah. in there. Um, I had a really good time with that, but I'm pretty sure I was playing the game wrong as I usually do. Because <laughs> I decided I was how, like, my boy. How were you, you playing that game wrong? <laughs> well, I decided uh, I played through as um, a nomad. And in the game, nomads are like kind of um, hicks that live in these car um groups and i was like i bet my boy is a good midwesterner and he wouldn't hurt nobody and he's just a lost puppy dog kind of was how i decided to play him so um i decided to try to not kill as many people as i could which means you have to i love that yeah i i love pacifist runs of games um i don't know if you know rimworld at all that is oh, my favorite yeah. game of all time and it is like often described as a war crime simulator <laughs> and people do horrible things and i'm over here like doing a pacifist run like my colony is entirely vegetarian you know like we do have an elaborate trap system to deal with raiders <laughs> but, like that's nonviolent <laughs> no i remember watching my brother play some and I was just, oh, why? Why are you doing these things? <laughs> I think his game, oh, what was it? He ended up trying to recruit anyone that would come attack him or something like that. Mm-hmm. So there was like a, a class system in play of like, well, these are the bandits that we've stripped all their goods and clothing from. And they're our workers for now. Right. <laughs> I was just, oh, no, <laughs> this can go bad very quickly. Yeah, I can't. I can't do that. Uh, other than Cyberpunk 2077, uh, what else have you been into lately? Uh, I've been going through Lisa. That I had like three different people on the same day suggest that to me. I was just, okay, well, I need to get into that. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's horrifying and great. <laughs> um, what else? Um, I played a lot of Rebel Galaxy recently. Um, oh, and a bunch of old genesis games i got the genesis collection very fun oh fun yeah so i was going through like streets of rage and um shining force i played shining force back when i was learning to read like i swear i must have played 75 percent of it like three or four times and never finished it (laughs) Mm -hmm. so now with modern save systems i'm like it's gonna happen i'm gonna get to the end that is, this is something I hear all the time from from the guests on this podcast, that as a kid, that there would be a game that they would play most of over <laughs> and over and over and over again and never actually finish until they were an adult. And everyone so far has said that finishing the game as an adult has been extremely rewarding. So you have that to look forward <sighs> <Yes>. to. <laughs> the other game like that all for right. me was Earthbound, which I've never gotten to. The oh, end of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Earthbound, I never finished either. Um, I remember... Um, I've, I remember being a kid and um, this is going to show how young I get, am, I guess. But I remember like finding an emulator mm. um, of, of Earthbound and being like in probably like elementary school, middle school and being like, what is this? And then like the emulator didn't really work. And so I couldn't save. And so I would it was just however I could I could get in one sitting. And I, I feel like that's a similar experience. <laughs> yeah, we'd gotten it on an emulator as kids and. Um, I opened it up and I think like when the alien bee came out and was like, you have to mm-hmm. save the earth and got swatted. Right. I was like, oh, I don't know mm-hmm. what this is and kind of bounced <laughs> off it. But then my best friend in high school, she was like, oh, you got to try it. And 
she showed me the first like 30 minutes and as a high schooler I was like okay this looks great yeah <laughs> absolutely well we are about out of time but i do want to give you a chance to plug anything you want to plug where can people find you what should they check out that you do yeah you if you like fiction you should check out doubleissue.show and that's my podcast for double issue it's a fiction podcast we're going to be finishing up a superhero story arc and then we're going to start a new season that's going to be goosebumps slash twin peaks related Ooh. Yeah, such be fun. Uh, I'm on itch.io, which is gwair, G-Y-W-A-I-R dot itch dot I-O. And I'm also on Twitter at gwair. All right. Well, everyone should go check Daniel out. And thank you so much for coming on today and chatting with me. Yeah, thank you so much. This is great. All right. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> thank you to Leland and Daniel. Uh, for their talk today. It was marvelous. And we will look forward to an upcoming uh, another episode of Made in Progress. We also next week will have a little special episode that is uh, the Just Us League Unleashed. Uh, it's the four of us on our first half hour talk. We're going to be talking some news. We're going to be going through all other things, all sorts of stuff. It's the Just Us League and what got us into video games and wants to get us in the industry, what we want to do, learn a little bit more about us. Um, so thank you for listening to the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment's official podcast. If you've got any thoughts, questions, corrections, or general museum ideas, shoot us an email at info at themade.org. We'd like to send a big thank you to everyone who donated recently and to our Patreon supporters who keep the Made afloat. Patreon donors get to listen to this podcast one week before it's released on major streaming services, and we'll continue with that with future episodes every week. Till then, I'm Anthony. I'm Red. I'm Chin. And I'm Miles. Thanks, and we'll talk to you next time.